Okay. I'm number six, and this is the New Prisoners podcast. And I should be joined by TNP contributor Chris Graves at any moment now. Just waiting to hear back from him here. Uh, but real quick shout out. Wanted to give a shout out to our friend Drives With Turkeys on Twitter. Uh, he sent me this screenshot here of today's uh, timeline that we're going to be going through this as uh, the hour and a half progresses of the show. But um, just starting off here, um, I wanted to give a, a shout out to our good friends, Donald Jeffries uh, and Chuck Ocelli and Steve Cameron, um, three uh, JFK researchers uh, in their own right. Um, they have you know, produced materials over the years that have inspired a lot of people uh, like myself and Chris Graves in order to uh, pursue this field of questioning things, being critical thinkers um, in all different forms uh, of politics and life and philosophy. But, um, you know, this... Uh, this happening, this this anniversary, um, is a very impactful thing on us all because we're going on 60 years now of uh, not being told the truth from our government. At least that's what I believe. I don't know what you folks out there believe. Maybe uh, drop uh, your beliefs of what, what happened that uh, fateful day here in the chat, uh, here on Rumble Rants and also on Odyssey. So, but... Um, I was going to uh, say, uh, before we get started, um, Chris had told me that our friend Steve Cameron is working on some pretty big things here, um, and uh, I wanted to give him a shout out too. So I'm going to play this little clip for you guys of uh, Steve Cameron on Chris's show, Get Mad. And here we go. Today's guest is the awesome Steve Cameron, JFK researcher, author, actor, filmmaker. Well, that's working well. All right. Well, let's go back to uh, <laughs> let's go back to the brave chat here. We'll skip that. Not sure why that's not working, but uh, we'll give it another go here in a second. Hopefully, our internet connection is fine. It looks fine on my end. Um, so yeah, let's go back to uh, what we were talking about. So uh, getting to the drives uh, with turkeys, let me drag it over here so I can have this. Now it says that um, at 11.20 a.m. Central Standard Time that Air Force One uh, will be departing Carswell Air Force Base for Dallas, Texas. So we're about uh, 12 minutes removed from that um, in the real-time timeline. And um, basically, I wanted to uh, get a couple of things off my chest about the JFK assassination. I'm not sure how you folks feel about uh, Mr. Oliver Stone, but uh, I grew up in the era where the movie JFK was a big thing, and Kevin Costner was one of the most popular actors on Earth, you know, up until Waterworld, that is. But, um, you know, sorry, Kevin. But uh, <laughs> the idea behind the movie JFK, uh, for me, uh, the the dr dramatization of uh, those moments in American history um, really stuck with me. Now, I know that uh, there's things that are altered in those types of movies um, that, you know, they, they, they do it for dramatic effect or they, they, they do it to maybe cover some things up or lead people to certain conclusions. Who knows? But uh, for myself, I mean, I, I was definitely impacted by that movie and um you know the portrayal of um 
<laughs> okay, we, we are getting, a, I am getting a message uh, from Chris Graves, so hopefully he will be joining us soon. But um, no, that, that, that impression that Kevin Costner made on me, uh, especially in the certain scene um, where they go uh, back and to the left over and over again. I've, I've seen that scene reused a bunch of times um, in different media things uh, throughout my life. Um, the latest one, and probably the most impactful on, on the other hobby that I have of watching professional wrestling, uh, which you know helps me understand politics a lot more these days, that's for sure. Um, there's a, a, a channel called Botchamania on YouTube that I've watched for years, and um, they, they cover wrestling botches. And one of the scenes that uh, they use from movies over and over again is that scene where Kevin Costner goes back and to the left as he's describing uh, John F. Kennedy being shot. Um, and they put that into different scenes where uh, people are being hit. And I, I think that one of the things we have to keep in mind, too, is that when we approach these sort of you know, these anniversaries, um, is that we approach them not in such a negative way. I know that you know this is not a day necessarily to be celebrated. Um, I know that a lot of us have put a long time and a, a lot of effort into even being able to scratch the surface as to what really happened that day and why. But um, I, I always have to keep in mind that I can't take things in life too seriously because because it, it, it just when you internalize things like that, it can really harm you. And my friend Chris Graves and I had a really good conversation our last live stream about this, about how researching conspiracy theories, if you want to call them that, um, or, or, or things like that, you know, can have a negative effect on your psyche. And you know, I, I can see that, especially you know, if you, like I said, if you allow it to become internalized and it's something that eats away at you. I'm sure not knowing what happened that day is maybe kept Don Jeffries up late at night, or a Chuck O'Celli, or a Steve Cameron. Um, we're gonna, I'm gonna try and redo that clip. Let me drag it over here. And so I can get that in error occurred. You don't say, wow, get out. Um, but sorry, folks, we're doing this in, live in real time. Okay. I think we have it. I think we have it now. Put that in there. No, we don't want to do that. Okay. All right. And, uh, let's hit play and try again. Shall we? Today's guest is the awesome Steve Cameron, JFK researcher, author, actor, filmmaker. I'd like to welcome Steve. Hey, Chris. How you doing today? Thanks a lot for having me. Well, thank you for uh, for doing this. I really appreciate it. How did you get involved with the uh, JFK assassination? In the early 1990s, when I came across a documentary called The Men Who Killed Kennedy, it was a special that the History Channel aired one of the greatest murder mysteries of all time. There was a monstrous cover-up of everything. I know it, and so, so do the people who covered it up. It angers me terribly that we don't know the truth and the arrogance of those in power that continue the cover-up and the lie is beyond tolerance. We're not a free country anymore because the people who are smart enough and powerful enough to take out a president like that and get away with it for 25 years are probably involved in other areas of the government. 
In other words, the country is being run by people we did not vote for. If it could be done to John F. Kennedy in 1963, it could be done to another president in the future. And we can't afford to have coup d'etats in America, no matter how cleverly orchestrated and sinister, sinisterly contrived they may be. That cannot be permitted to happen. And the way in which you prevent that from happening is to expose those elements of government and society in this country that were responsible for the killing of John F. Kennedy. You won't see anything like that on the History Channel nowadays, but it really opened my eyes to looking at a conspiracy angle that involved the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. My area of research involves a deputy sheriff who witnessed the assassination in Dallas, Texas. His name was Roger Craig. He was and one of the most credible witnesses, too, by the way. Yes, one of the most credible. A lot of people saw what he saw, but he, like you said, he was the most credible, and he was uh, shut down by the sheriff's office. His sheriff, uh, Sheriff Bill Decker, uh, he ordered all of his deputies, including Roger Craig, not to talk to the media. Roger Craig did. Officer Roger Craig said Oswald was definitely the man he saw run from the Texas Book Depository building right after the assassination. He said that Oswald whistled at a man in a station wagon. The man stopped and the two drove away. You know, he didn't shy away from a, a reporter about the things that he saw. Seeing Lee Harvey Oswald flee the school book depository and getting a, get picked up by an, a Latin man driving a Rambler station wagon and fleeing the scene and heading towards Oak Cliff, where approximately 15 minutes later, uh, Officer J.D. Tippett was found shot to death. A different rifle being found up on the sixth floor that wasn't connected to Oswald. The Oswald rifle was the Manlicher Carcano one that the Warren Commission tied to Oswald right. by ordering it through Klein's catalog. I think it was like a $7 rifle, maybe $13 with a scope. At that time, you could actually walk into any sporting goods store in Texas without even an ID, right, and, and buy a firearm. Yeah, yeah, but he had to document it through the... Through the exactly, he had to have a paper trail. Yeah. yeah, and then he had to take pictures in his backyard holding it up and with a pistol on his side, comic communist uh, literature and in my book the deputy interviews i do print those photos many people have only seen the one photo but there were actually several photos of oswald holding a rifle or somebody you know they probably pasted a picture of oswald's head on somebody oh, holding yeah. and it's not the same rifle that's seen being carried out of the sixth floor lieutenant jc day the evidence man he's carrying it and this the rifle that he's carrying has side sling mounts on it and it's shorter than the Manlicher Carcano. There was also an Enfield 303 that was found on the roof of the school book depository. So there were multiple weapons up in that school book depository. And then they turned it into one rifle that he ordered out of a catalog from Klein Sporting Goods. No paper trails for the other mysterious firearms. Yeah, there was also evidence of different bullets that were found uh, in Dealey Plaza. Yeah, there's a famous photo of uh, supposedly an FBI agent putting it in his pocket and walking away. Yes, there was a man that came in and identified himself as FBI. And there's pictures of this, several pictures of a man walking in the scene dressed in a black suit, bends over, picks up something, puts it in his pocket and walks away. Yep. There were pictures of this, too, of the bullet. The, bu the bullet was actually published in the newspaper, and it says there's a bullet laying in the grass. And what contradicts the official story is because there, that bullet never existed. The Warren Commission had to explain Teagues. 
wounds. Yeah, because there were only three shells that ejected out of Oswald's rifle, if you want to believe that, okay? It was only three shells, so the, the Warren Commission had to explain only how three shots created 11 wounds. Then Oswald was arrested later that afternoon, and Roger Craig called down to Captain Fritz's office because he heard the description of the man that they had arrested, and he said, listen, I think I saw that guy running from the Schoolbook Depository and getting the Rambler station wagon and head towards Oak Cliff. Craig went to the Captain Fritz's office, walked in there, and saw Lee Harvey Oswald being being interviewed. And he told Fritz, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy that I saw. And then Fritz turned to Oswald and said, this officer saw you leave the Schoolbook Depository. He didn't say station wagon, he said in a car. And then Lee Harvey Oswald got visibly upset, and this is according to Craig, visibly upset, and said that that station wagon belongs to Mrs. Payne. Leave her out of it. And then he slumped down in his chair and said, everyone's going to know who I am now. The Warren Commission blew that up as like he was bragging. Like, everyone's going to know my name because I just shot the president. And what, it, what most likely it was that his cover was going to be blown. Exactly, and that's what Roger Craig said, and that's how it came off to him. He said it, it, it sounded like he had, he was upset that he had blown his cover by revealing that information about Ruth Payne. If your listeners don't know who Ruth Payne is, she was she was the woman that befriended Lee Harvey Oswald's wife, uh, Marina, Marina Oswald. And her story is that she wanted to learn Russian. And she has questionable ties, too. Her father and her sister both work for the CIA, and that's documented. Well, I appreciate this, Steve, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for, uh, for thanks for doing this. Awesome. That was a clip from Get Mad with Chris Graves, who I believe we were just joined by. Chris, give me some audio, buddy. Hey, Six, how you doing? Hey, what's up, man? Back off the mic just a little bit, and we're good. And um, yeah, man, I got the show rolling. We are live. Um, so we are about to actually, you are just in time, sir. So we're going through the timeline point by point here, uh, as sent to us by our friend Drives with Turkeys on Twitter. Um, at 11.20 Central Standard Time, which is uh, what we'll be approaching here in a few seconds, uh, it says that Air Force One... Uh, will be departing Carswell Air Force Base for Dallas, Texas, for following uh, the timeline in real time here. So, but um, how yeah. you doing today, my friend? Are you excited to talk about this uh, this historical day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I just uh, my uh, my face is just kind of uh, all out of whack right now. I just woke up a little while ago, so sorry for uh, joining so late, everybody. It's all right, man. We know that you put in a lot of work doing research for our friends like Donald Jeffries and Tony Arterburn and others. Um, so sometimes, you know, you're up late, you know, burning the midnight oil, doing those uh, types of activities. And it's hard to get up uh, before the crack of noon. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I assure you, this is not nothing fun. I went to bed actually fairly early last night. I think it was my body really needed the rest. Um, I'm still very tired. But uh, yeah, no, JFK, that's the, uh, what's the term, the seminal moment for a lot of conspiracy researchers, you know, was that it seems to be the moment that uh, changed the world before, you know, things like 9-11 changed the world for yet another generation, you know, now with COVID 20 years after that, it just never ends. It doesn't. And we've talked a lot about it on our past shows together, uh, Chris. Uh, we've talked about the use of uh, trauma-based mind control 
Um, that's something that uh, I know has uh, impacted all of us over the past several years, the way that fear has been used to you know, sh- shape and manipulate people's behaviors. Um, but you know, seeing um, seeing a president that many admired. I mean, they're, they're, let's, if we're going to talk about you know J- Jack Kennedy uh, fairly, you know, he did have his critics, of course, and there were plenty of people, I'm sure, that you know weren't really uh, on board with most of his platform, and, and including uh, a lot of anti-war people too, because uh, you know he he was part of the whole Bay of Pigs fiasco, and I think that after that, that's when things started to sort of flip. On, on Jack's end, when in his, in his relationship with the the CIA or you know the former OSS uh, <laughs> that he may have been familiar with, so um, Ooh, yeah. and, and Chris, you've you've done some research on on those types of topics, like the CIA's involvement in this day. Where, where do you think that lies? Do you think they were total hands off? Were they involved uh, up to the gills? Somewhere in between there? What what would you say about it? Well. It just look, uh, standing back and looking uh, in a logical way, if you really think about it, I mean, a lot of people say that the mob was involved, and I do believe that elements of the mob were involved as, you know, hired hands or whatnot. But, the you know, organizations like the mafia can't change the parade route. They can't uh, keep the media from, you know distorting the facts and witness statements and things like that. So I think, uh, I think the CIA has its fingerprints all over this, um, along with the secret service and, uh, the Pentagon. I think it's actually like a blender. I think that many different, very powerful forces had to come together and for a common, you know, a common, thing and that was to see that this man that was elected uh not see 1964 basically and it's just a shame because that's not a democracy that's uh that's voting with a bullet i guess (laughs) you know what i mean and that's not how we're supposed to be in the united states but uh, a lot of people they just have their head in the sand you know so it's hard to really fight that (laughs) Well, you said something really important there, Chris, that this isn't how it's supposed to be. And lately, like a lot on the show, because of the, what's been happening with the midterm elections, and now as we're rolling into the, uh, the Trump versus DeSantis primary, potentially, or just like Trump just steamrolling straight into 2024, this cult of personality that is the presidency, I've sort of lost my faith in that position. I don't really believe that that position should exist as much anymore. Um, and, and along with many in, in the upper echelons or hierarchy of power in this country. Uh, but, you know, when, when somebody thinks of JFK, we often think of him fondly because, of, well, all of us that grew up in the era that we did, Chris, especially, you know, post the investigation and all that other stuff, you know, for children of the 80s and 90s that are listening in and maybe even 2000s that might be listening. What are you doing? But, <laughs> but uh, you know, the, us us old folks here talking about this stuff. But uh Oh no, OBS Studio I'm, says I'm, disconnected and reconnecting. Um, reconnection successful. All right. I hear you now. Yeah, we yeah we dropped the stream for a second there. Not sure what the heck happened with that, but um, yeah, let me let me check our uh, other streams on Rumble and Odyssey 
just to make sure that everything is back up and rolling. Okay, I think we're back up. Oh, and um, no wonder there was that flash of electricity. Uh, Lisa Belanger, our good friend, says that she is with us here in spirit. <laughs> well, she proved it. Thank, thank you, Lisa, for the electrical charge uh, to, to prove your power. <laughs> she she is <laughs> Sith Lord like power only on the light light side of things if you can imagine <laughs> so right so the so the force <laughs> yes yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I, I never saw anybody on the light side of the force use the Sith lightning though that's the thing never never seen yeah, him use I the guess, cool moves like that <laughs> being bad usually more interesting <laughs> oh true oh no <laughs> not that's... not not. Not in this case that we're talking about, but in fiction, yeah. Being well, bad, usually more interesting. That's probably a good transition into this part of the conversation. If we're going to talk about heels, folks, if we're going to talk about shit heels, Lyndon Baines Johnson, LBJ, yeah. I mean, uh, could yeah. you could you have made a, or scripted a more like horror movie-like monster to take yes, over this country uh, afterwards, <laughs> Richard, uh, a guy named Richard Cheney, but yeah, no, that was a good. Uh, oh, he comes in reckless. much later. Yeah, Richard Cheney is more like yeah, the yeah. Leatherface, where uh, you oh, know, he's like the emperor the human flesh. Yeah, he's the, he's the emperor. <laughs> LBJ's like I don't know, not Darth Vader, but because he wasn't that cool. But I don't know. <laughs> I mean, LBJ did mess this country up for decades with uh, the Great Society programs. I mean, and that's yeah. that's something that you know shaped things for for decades with um, everything like uh, being hooked up to the government teat permanently for for many <laughs> generations. A lot of folks. Um, we we also saw a lot of things go to the banks um, and the military industrial complex after that too. Because well, I keep mean, in mind that LBJ had his own personal allegedly had his own personal hitman too. So huh? it's always good to ha have in your back pocket. You know. Wouldn't be a shocker, <laughs> but um, you know, with with LBJ, I mean, he he was such a powerful uh, presence in in the uh, in the Congress before he was elevated, you know, to that area, right? Um, so yeah. you know, for him to roll in and sort of, I, I remember watching one of the latest documentaries on that part, and I think it was uh, I think it was Oliver Stone's um, his untold history of the United States. Uh, okay. folks listening out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think in this, like they described the, how LBJ wanted to do a photo op with Jackie O like almost like on the airplane leaving Dallas after the shooting. And like, while she's still in the back, like sobbing and crying and shaking and God knows what else, you know, and you know what Jackie said, I'm not changing my dress. And it was the blood stained dress. She goes, I'm not doing that. So she took the photo op wearing the dress and also it shows how creepy lbj was because i can't remember the the guy's name but there's like a senator or a congressman that's like winking at uh, lbj while you see jackie o like in tears so it's like this creepy congress guy or a senator is like winking at lbj like yeah we got what we wanted you know that kind of thing you can tell that lbj is winking back even though you can't really see his face but just like you can see the expression, it's a really creepy moment. I mean, we we uncover those things often, don't we, Chris Graves? Like in our yeah. in our collective research here at the New Prisoners, 
um, which, you know, thank you for listening in, folks. So if you're listening to the live stream, please subscribe if you haven't already. And do drop a, a comment in the, the Rumble Rants there or in the chat on Odyssey. Uh, tell us about how what you think of the JFK assassination. Maybe talk about the impact it had on your life, because I know that this changed the course of our lives, Chris Graves, with whom we've met and the types of people that we hang out with. Um, you know, people like Charles Ocelli, uh, people like Donald Jeffries, people like Steve Cameron. Now, I did play Steve Cameron's uh, little video from your awesome show, Get Mad Cr- with Chris Graves, on the Ocelli Network. So you can find that at Ocelli.com, I believe. Um, every Sunday, every, well, pretty much every Sunday. Uh, but uh, yeah, you can listen in live there. And then uh, Chuck posts it later on um, uh, on his other platforms, too. You can also find them on Spreaker, I believe, too. Yeah, and you used to be able to find it on YouTube, but uh, we all know how that works these days. That's gone now. <laughs> well, that's something else too. Like, I mean, where do you think censorship went after you know the destruction of JFK in front of our eyes? Well, to be honest with you, uh, the CIA, <laughs> for some reason, decided that it was a good idea to send out a memo in 1967 to all of their, um, you know. COINTELPRO type uh, media assets. COINTELPRO is usually uh, an FBI term, but I think it's all one umbrella type thing. They had a memo that explained that any critics of the Warren Commission that questioned whether Lee Harvey was the lone assassin or not, um, they any critics of that should be referred to as conspiracy theorists. And that's where the term got popularized or, or it came into, you know, the pop, the, not the pop culture, but the culture itself, that term, anyone questioning authority or questioning the official story from here on in will be referred to as a conspiracy theorist. And that that evolved to later on to things like truther, people that want the truth or are bad all of a sudden, truther or a birther or hoaxer now with Sandy Hook stuff, just to, these terms just to t- uh, tear down critics of that are questioning things. And I believe about a minute ago, Mr. John F. Kennedy was assassinated um, on this day. Well, no, Although that would be if, it, if we were going on Eastern Standard Time. We're actually rolling on Central Standard Time today, uh, where you're currently at, sir. So we are, we're going to roll up oh, to yeah. uh, 1.30 Te- my time, 12.30 okay, your time, because Texas. I apologize. It's people. okay. <laughs> no, but we're getting there. A the little bit of foreshadowing, folks, but, in case you all didn't know. But, but uh, the censorship, censorship terms like conspiracy theorists made it easier to shut up critics or people that were questioning things. And that's a big part of censorship is to get people to be afraid to even open their mouths, especially about things like UFOs and things like that. But we know how like places like the Pentagon now uh, are kind of like reverse that now. Now it's okay to talk about UFOs. Is it, could it be feasible that one day it'll be okay to question things like 9-11 or the JFK assassination without that ridicule or that stench that comes with it? I don't know. UFO thing. I don't know what that's all about, but now it's okay to talk about that openly, and they're sharing videos of it. So are they going to show us other videos from Dealey Plaza that we had no idea even existed? I don't know. That's a great question. Like, how much exists out there that we don't know about? Like, that's a hard question to answer, right? Because, um, you know, unless, unless you have some inside connects with the government, and even if you do, 
like how how buried is that information? Because what we're talking about is we're talking about like the CIA or other powerful organizations within the government um, conspiring in some way to to have the president assassinated or to assassinate the president, right? So they're probably just not going to lay it all out for us somewhere in a document that we could just access on the internet that easily. Um, one would hope not, at least. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, you also well, they do have their mur- their the CIA does have their murder manual that's been in, out in the public for years. Like that's a real thing. Ooh, um, that might be a great future TMP special to do to go over the CIA's murder manual. Uh, let us know yeah. in the chat if you're down with that. And oh, well, speaking of the chat, uh, we do have another message from Lisa. She says today the senators used fist bumps. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, we don't oh, yeah. even shake hands anymore. Well, that, that, oh, I thought you meant because of the JFK assassination. Well, no, be, probably because of COVID, quote unquote. But like, look at the change in behavior of our culture oh, okay. after those big moments. Like, we just we just kind of brought that up before, but to to harp on that a little bit more though, like this this moment when it came to changing our culture, a lot of it had to do with changing the mindset of the American public as to how to behave when certain things like this happen, right? Because when you're when you're censoring and punishing people and making examples of people, when you're taking their YouTube channels down, like ours or or Chuck O'Chelly's and, and various other people's, I know Don Jeffries has had a lot of heat recently with YouTube as well. Donald Jeffries has to have certain things deleted immediately so his whole channel doesn't come down. That's a very sad thing. Yeah, because you know why? Because that affects the way people think. People hear stuff like Don Jeffries or read his work or something from a Charles O'Celli or a Steve Cameron, like watching or reading any of their works, you know, that, that can that can change the entire course of their life and the way that they think about their government. Because if you were if you were believing the bullshit up until, you know, maybe discovering the JFK assassination, like as a conspiracy theory, like his people people hear the other ones like the famous like the Bigfoots and the Loch Ness monster and you all kinds of other UFO type of stuff, which is fun to talk about. You know? I don't think that that necessarily means that those things are not real either. No, but no, no. When, when they mix them in with things like the JFK assassination, it kind of the whole idea behind that is to try to water it down and, and make it seem as goofy as something like Bigfoot. Well, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like this is this is one that people can take a lot more seriously because it's something that they have video footage to look at, that they have like a lot more um, a, a lot more eyewitness testimonies and other things that are involved. Um, that, that they the players are easier to understand, and it's happening in modern times too. Like this isn't just you know ancient you know riddles and things like that come to life. Like this is uh, this is something that happened in broad daylight in front of people, you know, around high noon. <laughs> so it's just Ab- absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? So it's not. I mean, is it really that out of the ordinary to believe that? Something like this could could have happened and did happen. No, well, in yeah. my opinion. So when re- when 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 one reads into it more, uh, they're they're I, I would say they're more susceptible to look into other types of things. Like this is this is probably I'm getting in the mindset of why you put in these levels of control and censorship, mm-hmm. right? Because like the the reason why you do it is is that if people start peeling back the onion. 
on the JFK assassination, and they start revealing like the true roles in this country of the different agencies that we have that this just unbelievable amount of faith in and an unbelievable amount of ignorance when it comes to discussing. You know, the, the, the CIA, they're there for the law and justice and good stuff and you know, altruistic principles. You know, all, all these people are protecting us. They're serving us. You know, and like when you take that for granted, you know, you can just move on with your life and just whatever rolls past you, like that's um, put into the zeitgeist, you know, whatever the status quo opinion on those things are, you'll probably adopt them and not question them. But when somebody. No, go for it, sir. Well, I was just going to say when somebody like yourself, Chris, points out some of the inaccuracies, just like our friend Gary McBride. Or, or yeah. just like how you've you've talked about Dave McGowan in the past and, and people you. like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. When somebody points out those inaccuracies, then it makes you stop and think. And then that internal dialogue, that internal discussion that you have with yourself starts. And you're like, how far deep does this go? What else do I know that's bullshit? What else is out there that we've been told that isn't correct? What isn't historically accurate? And like, what were well, the motivations the, there? The, yeah. Well, the things that actually are somewhat pretty much related to the JFK assassination in that same era were the lies of Vietnam and the Apollo moon landings. I mean, whether or not you believe we went to the moon or not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there was a lot of fuckery that was going on with that, too. And that was used as a... Uh, kind of a uh, a distraction from what was going on every day. Uh, oh, it was Vietnam. used to make us feel better. It was making well, Vietnam. It was yeah. a distraction from Vietnam. The horrors that were starting to come out about some of these atrocities. Oh, and, and things. all the other and assassinations. Had, you know, the the the, the failure yeah, of the hippie yeah. movement from it being infiltrated from the inside. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure, or you, just well, a work yeah. the entire time. Potentially by the same intelligence agencies that we were talking about. You read the same things that I do, my friend. Yeah, it's, it makes you, uh, whether or not that, that was the case or not, we don't know. But uh, it does open up your, your mind to think, uh, could that be a possibility, you know? Well, And Lisa says, and why is the government all of a sudden revealing this UFO info? And that's just exactly. what we were talking about. Like, what, what are they preparing know. us for? Yeah, could they be preparing us for like a real truth that they're going to drop on us? Or are they going to be preparing us for another incident that's going to be going on? That's that's <laughs> kind of what what Donald Jeffries and I kind of agree on. Like it, there was a thing years ago called Project Bluebeam that a lot of researchers might remember. It was supposed to be the fake UFO invasion uh, or landing or whatever that NASA and the government were going to uh, put on the American people, kind of like with the, the novel Watchmen, where the whole idea, you know, spoiler alert, but the whole idea of the whole novel is that it's supposed to re reunite um, or kind of bring together all the world, like all the countries together for like a one world government thing uh, against a common threat, which would be this extraterrestrial threat. And that even goes back to uh, Ronald Reagan uh, during one of his um, speeches actually was famous for saying that, you know, it would be the best case scenario if we did have an evasion from out, uh, outer space, because then all human beings could come together as one and things like that. And as we know that it might sound all nice and everything, but, you know, when you got it's that one world government thing that gets me uh, 
gets me a little nervous or whatever, but whenever it's brought up. But just to go back to what you were saying before, before we get too far away from it, I was able to find two articles about that famous wink uh, and with Jackie O. The photo. Uh, let's take a look. This is research in real time, folks. This is what we love to do on the New Prisoners. Uh, we not just love having these great conversations about these topics. We like showing the sources, like where we read this stuff, where we got these things. Okay, so I'm going to pull this one up first. Um, oh, let me switch and do a screen share for you, Chris, so you can see what I'm doing here. Do, okay. do, 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 do. I think this is the one. All right. Check. But if the, if the, if that'll screw up the live stream, then it, it's nah, not a big deal. Not at all, okay. man. We we got when I were playing with power. <laughs> all right. Can you see power this? love? Yeah. Can yeah. you see this now? Where it says JFK, LBJ, yeah. and the wink. All right. Yeah. Says here, Lyndon Baines Johnson had an almost maniacal urge to become president. He regarded JFK as an obstacle to achieving that. Uh, yeah. Lyndon Johnson's mistress, Madeline Duncan Brown. Wow. <laughs> she has like a, a feminine first name, and then the, the last is like like he was stating a, a black guy. I don't know. On LBJ telling her <laughs> on the day before JFK's assassination, after tomorrow, these SOBs will never embarrass me again. That's no threat. That's a promise. Hmm. Now it says here too, uh, LBJ and Governor John Connolly uh, micromanaged Dallas, Dallas, JFK's uh, Dallas JFK schedule, and demanded the yeah yeah route the, through uh, the visit yeah okay uh, the route through Dealey Plaza where the motorcade came to a full stop and LBJ had JFK killed. No, that's, that's from the Daily Mail. Um, now, Chris, are there supposed to be pictures in between here? Did they not load? There was, and they're not loading. Yeah, this is from uh, what really happened. It again. It's uh, Michael, Mike, Michael, Michael Rivero's website uh, that I would go to frequently over the years. Uh, yeah, some of these uh, links that are on his website may end up be dead links now, but at the time, uh, if you go to the Lou Rockwell one, oh, you, oh, and you got this awesome tool, so maybe. Okay, uh, still didn't still didn't do the pictures, man. Okay, um, well, Lou, the I might Lou have Rockwell to use way one. back for it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it, it was just to show that what we were describing before of uh, LBJ and that congressman, just uh, real creepy. Like, why would you be like smiling and, and winking at one another after, you know, John Kennedy just had his head blown off and his widow's right there with the. Wearing the dress that has all the blood oil. It's just, just a grisly thing. Let's go back to the OG. Oh, that's why. Oh, it was a video, a flash. Okay. Yeah, flash. Oh, what's going on with that? Oh, oh, we do have Here a picture. Go. That's what I was looking allow us to right do there. it, though. No, it won't. All right, well. We'll see. We'll see. Nope, it did it. It did it. Okay, so there's oh, okay. more. There's Winky Guy. All right, hold on. And you second. can tell. You could tell with Ladybird, she's smiling. That's uh, LBJ's. Let's, um, let's increase this wife. for those watching. All right. Hopefully this works. Yes. You it see, does. LB, LB, you just see the way LBJ's face is, where he he's got a smile on right there while the guy's winking at him. You know what I mean? And yeah, Jack Jackie's in tears, and <clears throat> you know, just grisly. Yeah, it's a really weird scene, folks. Really weird scene. You have to imagine, like... And Lady Bird, big smirk on her face. Because she's like, I'm going to be the new uh, First Lady now. <laughs> and they, they treated Jackie like absolute garbage from all accounts. 
Wow. During during the flight, the flight home. Yeah. Yeah, that's just. I, I had heard about like these little moments on the plane afterwards and everything from that documentary oh, I yeah. mentioned, but yeah, this yeah. picture man is really. Hmm. There's another one too, I believe. Yeah, uh, let's let's well, go to it. Um, the, that's the other one, one might be. The other one might be the regular one that everyone knows about. Okay. That was the backup picture that the photo. Yeah, that's the one everyone knows. And you see the Congress guy that was winking at him. Yeah, look, see, the facial expressions are different. They're more somber. Now, yeah, like everybody get yes. their shit together. You know? But right <laughs> after that, after he be he sworn in, then everyone's like they can't contain the giddiness on their faces. You know, it's disgusting. Yeah, like just to a b them. So like, there's this, and then there's this disgusting you yeah. know lady bird's like yay you know let's see if there's any more on this gem um oh let me and and, and i'll mind you everybody out there that might be listening it, yeah. that's not that's not evidence that you could use in a court of law that just is pointing out the atmosphere and like uh just the seediness of the of the moment that you know a crime like this could possibly have happened you know and gotten away with well, you see that these characters that have a lot to gain are sitting there laughing and winking and smiling. And it has a John Kennedy's uh, widow now, like in her, you know, in a photo op where she didn't, she wanted to be left alone and everything after, you know, leaving the hospital and everything. And these creeps just, you know, I don't know. Well, I wanted to bring this up from the article. It says the House Assassinations Committee may have been right after all. There was a shot from the grassy knoll. That was the key finding of the congressional investigation that concluded 22 years ago that John F. Kennedy's murder in Dallas in 1963, so this is an older article from the Washington Post, um, was probably the result of a conspiracy. A shot but from yes. they never they never did anything further based on that result. And Donald Jeffries and I have talked um, in the past, and we think that the, the House select committee and everything was just like the Warren Commission, uh, yet another setup. Because the evidence that they used to come to that conclusion of a probable conspiracy was based on the Dictabelt evidence, which was audio from a microphone that was on one of the Dallas uh, motorcycle cops uh, belt or whatever. That they tried to say, oh, there was a fourth shot. We heard it. It was just so the evidence is so flimsy that they could just say it could have been a conspiracy. And then they just closed up shop. And that was it until JFK, the movie came out. And then there was pressure to, you know, get the review board going and everything. But that's, yeah. Well, that's something too, like in this rush to bring closure, especially during key political times, right? Like, haven't we just experienced that with the January 6th commission? this unconstitutional bullshit that they're doing. Like it, it just all, all these different investigations, like our, our good friend Lisa Blanchard would probably remind us um, that when we put faith in these institutions to investigate themselves, well, what do we expect? Like, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, what is it? The rooster is, is uh, it's like the rooster is guarding the hen house or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, we if just, you, if you open up real quick, just so we know that this, this dirt bags name for, you know, just in a historical context. And Lou Rockwell, the link there has the picture, but it also gives us a little background that uh, the Texas Congressman Albert Thomas is winking at him right after he's sworn in. Maybe you don't have to open it now. It's pretty much all they 
Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just bookmarking all these because these are okay. all going to be included in this week's source list. Um, so let me click on that one too. Archive that. There we go. Yeah, uh, what really happened.com actually was one of the first ones. Uh, Mike Rivero's uh, website was one of the first that I went to and learned about the TWA 8 Flight 800 missile videos that were shown all over cable and TV and everything and then disappeared. So oh. that went, goes back a lot for me. And speaking of flights, um, it said that um, 1144 a.m. Central Standard Time that the Kennedys and Connollys disembark Air Force One and are greeted by the Johnsons. So as of, like if we're following in the real timeline, um, yep. they're, they're all saying hello to one another. And then it says that 11.55 a.m. here approaching that the motorcade leaves Love Field for its 10-mile trip through downtown Dallas. So about to uh, about to enter the motorcade here in the next six minutes. So, but let's, let's do pull up that uh, from the chat here, um, the Lou Rockwell. And allow me to save that. So, folks, what we do here at The New Prisoners is, is that we take all of these articles, documents, pictures, videos uh, that we show here on our show, and we put them on Substack on what's called our source list. So that way, it, it, like if you're in conversation later down the road and you're like, hey, I heard this great podcast. Well, giving ourselves a little bit too much. Credit, but, you know, it, we, it I, is great, damn it. Yeah, I, I heard this podcast, right? It was great. And um, th these guys were talking about this JFK thing and this winking uh, photo. And like uh, the other person you talked to is like, oh, wow, yeah, man. And then like you don't have it to show them. Like this right. way, this way you can go right to your email um, and pull up the the, the source list to, from to water uh, cooler moment. Substack. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can share this with your friends easily. You can you can share the email to a bunch of people on your email list. You don't have to worry about being banned from social media uh, for sharing it. Uh, at least not way. yet. Yeah, at least not yeah. yet. Yeah, they haven't they haven't really violated email. Um, as they do these things that well they much, well they have much. blogs <laughs> they did blogs with especially with the sandy hook stuff they oh, wordpress yeah. like had a whole thing but they like to do these things in increments where they mm -hmm. slowly take your things away oh yeah the boiling slowly. boiling frogs yeah this boiling frogs yeah yeah I, I can only imagine how bad that must smell um but um and for <laughs> If for anyone else that had heard us talk about for like a second earlier, I have three links in there that people could check out later on. It had to do with that the assassination manuals, but that that does play into the John Kennedy murder and you know the Bay of Pigs and things. But I just wanted to just remind people to check that out if they you know want us to do an episode on that stuff too. In oh, the for sure. Um, now this is from LouRockwell.com. Um, now, I've heard a lot of good things about this website. I believe uh, David or Donald Jeffries writes yeah. articles for him sometimes. Oh, well, that yep. makes sense. Uh, that's why it's a whole quality. archive. Oh, yeah. Awesome, man. Now it says the notorious LBJ wink photo. Uh, Lou, decades before I was a one world government, new world order conspiracy factualist, <laughs> like that, <laughs> yeah. I became, this is what we were talking about before, man. It's so crazy. Um, it says, I became a JFK assassination conspiracy buff after my 10th grade history teacher spent an entire class session. Whoever that 10th grade history teacher was, thank you. 
Thank you yep. for doing that stuff. And I, we talk about heroes. it on the show all the time, like the impact that this kind of stuff makes. Like we're not we're not in it for the, the you know the glory or anything else like that, folks. But you know, <laughs> if anything, we have a lot to lose, not gain. <laughs> oh, true. But when it when it comes down to having these conversations and 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 making this sort of content, like you never know whose life it could change. Um, so now getting back to the story, it says, uh, all right, hold on one moment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just, mute. I'll be right back. Yeah. Just mute. It says I became a JFK assassination conspiracy buff. Lou says after my 10th grade history teacher spent an entire class session discussing Josiah Thompson's book, six seconds in Dallas, but it was only a few years ago that I found out about this famous photograph of LBJ happily smiling as a friend of his, Texas Congre- Congressman Albert Thomas, is winking at him right after LBJ is sworn in as president after JFK was assassinated. Yeah, I would say the wink timing matters. <laughs> like, if they just swore a man and he turns to him and he gives him a big old wink, like, way to go, buddy. Um, that's kind of suspicious. But um, now it says, by the way, do you notice that Lady Bird and even Jackie Kennedy seem sort of happy too? I don't, I don't know if I don't know about the Jackie Kennedy thing, but Lady Bird definitely not as somber of an expression. She kind of has that Al, Bun- Al Bundy, I'm smelling something bad look on her face. Yeah. So, but um, so now, but uh, let's let's move on. Um, I was going to bring up uh, the next one on the timeline here as we're approaching it in two minutes the motorcade will be leaving love field for its 10 mile trip through downtown dallas i apologize folks i just literally just uh got sprayed with pesticides in my motel room and so (laughs) no there a guy had to come through so i uh yeah also six before i forget i think we may have already missed the moment when there's that famous video that a lot of people may not even know about where they're at Love Field and the Secret Service is being pulled off John F. Kennedy's car. And the guy's like, what's going on? Do you remember that famous thing? I do not. Is there any way that you can... I will find that while you chat. Sorry. That's a big video. That's a huge one. Well, while you're doing that, let me pull up these awesome articles that you sent over about the other topic that we brought up earlier. And let me bookmark them for this week's source list on Substack. So go over to Substack, folks. And, um, oh, here's another trick too. When the Washington Post wants you to pay for things like an article like this, uh, what I want you to do is go to your browser and download an extension, uh, from archive.today. Um, it allows you to archive pages like this. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna click that button right now and it's going to pull up a previously archived version, hopefully of this article. Yeah, this page was archived two weeks ago. Thank you to whoever did that. All right, so now I'm going to go back here, get rid of this guy, because we're not subscribing to shit. All right, so it says, the Washington Post, the CIA's murder manual. Wow, this is what Grace was talking about, folks. The CIA manual advising Nicaraguan guerrillas how to kidnap, assassinate, that might be important to this conversation, uh, blackmail, and dupe civilians is an appalling production. And its disclosure has produced a first-class storm. The Democratic ticket is seized on the manual as evidence of the darkest and least defensible tendencies of the Reagan administration's foreign policy. No doubt Walter Mondale will bring it up in his debate with President Reagan tonight. Wow, this is an old article. <laughs> Oldie but goodie, right? 
Um, does it have a published date? Am I missing it? Um, let's move on. Now it says that um, it says <laughs> Mr. Reagan himself is desperately trying to flee responsibility for the document. Yeah, I think he got away with a lot there, Mr. Reagan, uh, um, with the all the Sandinistas and all that stuff that was going on, the Iran-Contra deal. We might have to jump into that someday, Chris. But um, it says here uh, regarding Reagan, pronoun boy, he is doing just about everything. Senator Daniel Moynihan suggests, except it's October, on Jimmy Carter. Our, October. <laughs> it's October twenty first, nineteen eighty four. I don't know why it got cut off while you're uh, while you have it open, but yeah, that was nineteen eighty four, October twenty first. Nineteen eighty four and October twenty first. Wow, what a different country that was back then. <laughs> what a such a different country. I would I would love to have uh, some of our older friends fill in on just what that what that change of that second administration for Reagan meant. Like what that was three. That was three weeks before Nightmare on Elm Street came out. Wow. Yeah, a much different world then, right? Because like, uh, you think about, there are timeline sort of markers in, in life. I, I often uh, refer to like music, or like when certain albums came out or when certain like genres started up, you know, like the, the summer of punk in 77. And, you know, like uh, when you have like heavy metal come in with. That's you know, how I am with grunge, yeah. grunge alternative. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, in the grunge era and things of that nature. But, you know, the, we, you can do that with important um, political and historical things like this like the the second second uh term of reagan which was uh as we're learning more about it nowadays i don't think old ronnie had it together for the second term as much uh maybe have had some dementia just saying well what had happened was they they literally tried to kill him and there was a second gunman during that incident with uh, mr john hankley right who a lot of people think was an mk ultra mark david chapman sirhan sirhan kind of deal here's the thing isn't, I he, have the fo- really, isn't he out and starting a new political hey, party he's, he's doing that he's doing albums he almost i think i heard something where he was selling out madison square garden for his cover songs or something i'm not even joking People can look that up. That's wild. <laughs> but here, here's the thing. I have footage of uh, from NBC News, I believe. It was Judy Woodruff, who is still on the air, I think on like PBS and things like that. She went, was the only reporter, I believe, was the only reporter and said it twice, I think, once on air and once in print. But she said that she saw a Secret Service-looking uh, individual take a shot at the motor at Reagan from above. And that, <clears throat> that actually has gotten uh, kind of, you know how we have the term grassy knoll. Yeah. Well, they call that the bushy knoll because oh, George H.W. Bush, George H.W. <laughs> Bush almost became president eight years sooner. It had this other shooter been successful shooting downwards from the bushy knoll above the awning yeah. where, uh, yeah. And there was definitely, and it was a rifle being shot. Uh, the thing that chap, but not Chapman, but basically almost the same thing. Hinkley had, it was not a two, two, three caliber shot that was found afterwards too. That's a whole other thing. The bushy knoll, they call it in conspiracy circles, the second gunman during the Reagan assassination attempt. That's a thing. See, I'm not a ballistics expert, 
But I do believe that you know the the lines in which a bullet is fired should probably be consistent with like the entry and exit wounds of the person, uh, along you know the the angle of such things, um, and and also the type of bullet used in the particular gun that was supposedly used for for such things. You know, the, the, if they say that I I shot you with a forty five, but they found a twenty two, I think that's wrong. <laughs> I'm not again no expert. I'm not a biologist, but <laughs> oh, you're muted, Chris. A biologist? <laughs> you... Yeah, that's a thing. That, that that that's what people do in politics nowadays. That's that's probably a result of all this bullshit with JFK being assassinated. Is now we have people that are going before right. Congress and they're asking them like, "Hey, how are you qualified to do certain things?" And they ask them like, yeah. "You know, what's the difference between a man and a woman?" And the person goes, "Oh." I'm not a biologist. I can't answer that. A biologist. Yeah, that's that's what you need. You need you need a, an appeal to some sort of authority to make any sort of decision in this country, and and that's the thing I was talking about before when it comes to just like the the cult of personality, the president presidency itself, is that people put too, way too many things. People that don't understand the, the mechanics of uh, or, or inner workings of our infrastructure when it comes to politics. You know that you, you're going along and you're riding your bicycle and somebody, you know, you, you stick a stick in your own spokes and then you fall over and you cry and you blame the president. Like it's just, you know, everybody blames the president for everything. The economy's up. Hooray! The president did something good. The economy's down. It's the president's fault. Like we we tie certain things to the presidency that we probably shouldn't, because the presidency doesn't necessarily make those decisions. It's a lot of people behind them pulling the strings and making those decisions. And who those people are are the people that actually own this country. It's it's what George Carlin talked about. Your you know, owners. Yeah, yeah. And and, and they when we own you, they don't care about you. <laughs> yeah. And when we talk about JFK, we th- those of us that have researched this topic, I think most of us think of JFK as a person that was fighting against those people internally, and that's probably why he ended up dead today. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, he. He actually was somebody that came from um, money and was one of those rare. Rare things that kind of like when they were setting up the uh, the Trump thing, where here's this billionaire that might actually be for the people, because he realized later on in life that if how could he leave a country that was in such shambles to future generations of his own family, and maybe he turned a new leaf and like da 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 da. Yeah, J- JFK was compared with Trump like at the very beginning, like Trump's uh, whole reign of terror or whatever you want to call it. And then we realized afterwards that he was no JFK. I mean, JFK is dead. Kind of like when I see people like Alex Jones, but then you look at Bill Cooper or Dave McGowan. I put more stock into the dead guys because uh, they had a lot to lose. And the living guys, I don't know. They have a lot more to prove, I guess. <laughs> Just me. Well, doesn't that change how we reflect upon somebody if, they're, if they've passed? Like, it would be a different world today had a lot of people had lived um you know yeah. I, I think of like something like one of my favorite comedians doug stanhope talked about what if Jimi hendrix lived <laughs> you know like would he be playing the super bowl halftime show and just like you know fake faking it on stage too not re- not really actually plugged in and like you know doing doing coordinated dance moves with justin timberlake and showing his this is a- <laughs> like 
This is a little more. This is a little more dated, but so another another hero of mine, Bill Hicks, right? Uh, just oh, like wow, with, yeah. at the time uh, when Bill Hicks was killed, um, this was the early '90s, and he basically made a similar thing like Doug Stanhope, who I love. Doug Stanhope, I talk to him every now and then on on, uh, on the Twitter. Um, no, he said uh, Bill Hicks said that if Jimi Hendrix. And, you know, Jim Morrison and all them had lived. We wouldn't have uh, Billy Ray Cyrus and, and garbage like that. And this was like 1992, 93. So at the time, Billy Ray Cyrus, not his daughter, but remember Achy Breaky Heart and all that. And yeah, like, we, we, we must not confuse the, the two. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We, so know, anyway, we Bill, know you're a big Bill fan Hick of the Miley Cyrus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, she's all right. She uh, she's a product of the uh, you know that Hollywood crap too. So, but you want to see a real damning piece of evidence that I actually thought maybe you would have been privy to. Oh, let's all see right. it here, here. And sending over to the brave chat now. Let me pull it up. Boop. Waiting for it. Waiting for it. It ain't over yet. <laughs> Is it like loading or something? Don't have any audio from you, Chris. Still don't have any audio from you, buddy. <laughs> and here we go. Let me tell you. Let me see what you guys have to say about this. Awesomeness. All right. Let me pull this up. Ah, all right. I'm going to attempt to let me turn that down. This is my eardrums will go. But let me try and full screen this. There we go. Everything seemed normal as the president's Secret Service bodyguards kept their ever watchful eyes on the crowd. seemed normal as the president's motorcade began its journey. Everything seemed normal, that is, up until this instant. What took place is so odd that we're going to examine the scene four more times. Watch the left side of your screen. The arrow points to agent in charge, Emery Roberts, as he stands in the Secret Service follow-up car and motions with his hand. What he is doing is calling away the president's two most important bodyguards, the bodyguards whose job was to protect the president's back by riding on the bumper of the limousine throughout the motorcade. again as he stands and orders the agents running at the rear of the president's car away. Watch the confusion inside the follow-up car that results. Now watch the right side of your screen. The arrow points to one of two agents whose job was to hop aboard the bumper and act as human shields. He's obviously perplexed. Watch as he shrugs his shoulders three times in dismay, each shrug more dramatic than the last. 
watch this scene for the final time, ask yourself, is this the kind of conduct you would expect from an agency that routinely sends an advance team to a city a month or more prior to the president's arrival in order to make preparations? Now ask yourself if the assassination could have taken place at all had those men been on the bumper during the motorcade. This is the rear of the presidential limousine. The back bumper is specially designed with a platform on both the right and left sides. There are also handrails on both sides of the trunk. This is where the agent should have been to provide the president even minimal security. The president, unaware of the treachery behind him and the danger waiting for him ahead, continued on to his death. You are about to see segments from three of at least four Chris films shot in Dealey Plaza of the assassination. The fourth was confiscated by the FBI and has never been released for public viewing. Wow, man. That was wild. That was really wild. Um, I don't know, honestly, if I've ever seen that video. So thank you very much for providing that today, man. Um, let me go back to the chat. Oh, oh, watch. Oh, that's loud. Wait, what me? Uh, just no yeah your, your chair your chair is super loud i mean that's a thing on shows like this is that you got to have a squeaky chair um <laughs> i think i already clicked on that all right cool keep this in mind six clint hill yeah he, he's the famous uh secret service guy that actually was the only one to do anything to jump on jackie kennedy or push her back in the limo right there's a famous footage where he wasn't on the back bumper at a certain point when the turn on to Elm street and he should have been. It's so, so. crazy that the Elm street connection, <laughs> right? It was that, that's was exactly that where Knight, Wes Craven named his movie, which was originally called dreams kill. He named it a nightmare on Elm street based on November 22nd, 1963. Amazing. That was a nightmare on Elm street. Amazing. Yeah, the the cultural tie-ins. I mean, let's let's talk about that. I mean, the the cultural impact of this. I mean, I know heavy metal songs that start out with the Walter Cronkite announcement and things. I, I know everything you know around uh, different movies and scenarios. Like I, I pulled the the thumbnail for this episode uh, from the Clint Eastwood movie from 1993. Have you ever seen that one? <laughs> Where there's like Manchurian Candidate stuff. I get in a lot. I saw that at the movie theater in the line of fire. Yeah. About? Yeah. In yeah. the line of fire folks. Um, I, I don't, I haven't watched that movie in decades though. I would love to go back and watch that in the mindset that I have now after doing this show for over a year uh, and talking to folks like yourself and Donald Jeffries and others about that. Um, just to kind of look at it again from like a more mature perspective. Because I think back then I was just a moviegoer like yourself and just excited to see Clint on screen blowing the bad guys away like he did so well. Um, and then nowadays well, like, looking back, like just how much history did they get wrong and mess up? And well, like, like I would like when I was getting emotional the other night for no real reason, uh, Clint, even though he was good friends with Jesse Ventura, made that movie that propped up the guy that made the false claims about how he uh, punched Jesse Ventura at a Navy SEALs benefit, remember? Oh, so man. I don't know about Clint anymore, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the Hollywood um, 
elite, even those that seem to have leaned a little bit more uh, right-leaning, conservative, reasonable, anything like that in the past several years have also failed us. Um, John- even like direct, director Tony Scott, some people think he was murdered because what was he doing for most of his career? Making Hollywood propaganda for like military things, you know, like including what wasn't he involved with Top Gun, the original, I believe. Um, Tony Scott, dude, if you have anything to send the chat, oh, I sent that to Don. Oh, yeah, if you have, oh, yeah, in the chat, okay, yeah, if you have anything to drop in the Brave chat on that that I can attach to the source list to, man, wow, that's a wild thing. And speaking of wild things, we got our friend Chuck O'Celli that just joined us. What's up, Chuck? Oh, we're waiting to get him. That. Hey, there you go. You sound great, brother. Always oh, sound okay. great, but you know, That's good. <laughs> coming in good, coming in good. That mixer does a great job, man. Like you, you're when I was mixing like the episode you did with us, like your voice sounds warm and everything. I felt bad because like your video was cracking up a little bit during our stream and I didn't want to interrupt you to have to tech that stuff. It's probably not wise to ask a blind guy to fix video issues during a live stream. I hope you're not offended. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly my thoughts. You know, If you lose, if you lose the video aspect a little bit, because uh, hey, blind guy, yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> so, that's why just I have to throw the disclaimer out there for everybody, you know. But um, so, Mister Ocelli, for those who are not familiar, you are known as the blind JFK researcher. Um, do you want to just drop a little bit of knowledge for our audience right now as to how you got into this whole thing and who you are in the JFK community? Uh, who, who I am in the JFK community, I, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I got that name. I'll tell you how I got the name is that uh, I was doing a lot of research projects uh, in the 90s, uh, cooperative projects. We used to do these things in person, folks, uh, pre-internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used to get together. And here's the facts. I had uh, all kinds of magnifying glasses stuffed in my pockets all the time. Anytime I was examining photographs and films and documents and stuff like that. And uh, we used to get together on these uh, group conference calls, right? Uh, On the telephone, you know, landlines. I know, Grandpa, what's a landline? Uh, But no, we we would get together and there'd be five, six of us on a phone call. So we'd be talking and uh, there was more than one Chuck or Charles on the call. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So after a while, it was like, which which one of us are you talking to? Somebody would go, Chuck. And, of course, my luck, the guy also wanted to be called Chuck. Uh, and there were other Charleses around and stuff like that. And some people, uh, if you call me Charles, I know you're not my friend. But anyway, uh, yeah, Charles, Chuck, da-da-da. Okay, which one? Uh, yeah, the blind one is what started happening. And I said, yeah, fine, I'm the blind one. Cool. Why? Because I've got a jeweler's loop in my pocket and I've got three different uh, power magnifying glasses sticking out of a bag. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, and that's that's how that got there. <laughs> I'm the blind JFK researcher. Wow. So I just kind of owned it. Wow. Uh, also, in email chains in um, the early 2000s, people started mixing me up with Charles Drago. Uh, cause again, on the emails, I was Charles. So I started saying, no, 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 I'm the blind JFK researcher. I'm not Charles Drago. So that, that's, that's how that came to be. <laughs> okay. And, uh, Chuck, since, since you have you know, spent uh, a lot of time on, on this particular subject, I was sent a timeline 
um, from one of our friends on Twitter, uh, Drives with Turkeys. And um, I, I'm going to go through the, the timeline that I was sent. Oh, as we're joined by Don Jeffries, actually, this is a perfect moment. I'll hold off on going through the timeline because I'll, um, I'll pitch to you guys the timeline. And then you all could fill in what you know in between these timeline stamps here. Six. Six. Yes, sir. Can we just ask um, Mr. Ocelli and Mr. Jeffries what they think of that Emory Roberts famous video of them pulling the Secret Service guys off the, the detail? Because we just showed the audience that before they joined us. Oh, well, I'm sure. Uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty certain that they're familiar with that footage, correct? So, um, no, but what their opinions are, yeah, yeah, no, I, no. Think they, I think they both have different ones. I I'm also certain that they can hear us too. Um, well, maybe not with Don yet. Uh, Don, uh, give us some audio, buddy, if, if you can. Oh, yeah. Oh, there okay, we go. Yeah. Can, you, can you hear me now? Okay, yeah. Can I, hear I, you I, great, I, man. The hair looks awesome. <laughs> well, I'm using a phone, so I don't know what angle. I'm, I'm in the back of a restaurant having lunch with Vince Agnelli. Oh, shout out to Vince too. Yeah, he says he says hello. Yeah, um, and again, I, I I apologize for not being able to stay that long, but I wanted to check in, and this is a cool idea. This is and, a really uh, cool yeah. idea, and I'm glad you're a part of it, Don. Uh, uh, our friend Chris Graves was just asking uh, you and Chuck yeah. Ocelli, who's joined us now too, um, yeah. what what you thought of the video we just showed of the security detail being pulled off the back of uh, JFK's yeah. uh, vehicle. Well, I'm very familiar with that, and Vince, Vince Palerano was the guy, guy who uh, really discovered that, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, and it's uh, at Love Field, uh, before the motorcade uh, got into way, and that's one of the many things I've questioned many times, is why there was no professional footage of, the, basically, JFK's entire trip to Texas was documented. You can see documentaries where he was visiting the Houston Space Center, and they, you know, they videotaped everything, they covered it professionally except for the motorcade. And basically that was one of the last professional footage that shot at, at uh, Love Field. And you can see a Secret Service agent who originally Vince thought was Henry Ripka, who died very young, uh, shaking his hands and shrugging and saying, you know, you know, what the fuck? You know, which is very telling and because he was probably going to be jogging alongside the limousine as the Secret Service agents did very often. You can see in lots of other uh, JFK motorcades that this was uh, normal. But uh, whoever he was, he did that. Now, later, Vince came to believe it was uh, Don Lawton and said, I believe it's Henry Ripka, and I was the first one to ever contact his, Ripka's family. Uh, even Vince could never do that. And I, I talked to his granddaughter, didn't know much, and I got William Law, a great buddy of mine, a great researcher. He was able to get through to, uh, on my behalf to Henry Ripka's son. And uh, people can read you know, the description of the conversation in my book, Hidden History, but it was very suspicious. I mean, Rivka's son acted, you know, to me, acted like he was, he was, uh, he knew that it was his father, but I still believe that. Whoever it was, I mean, clearly it's an indication that Lawton, I think, would live longer and would indicate there was nothing suspicious, whatever. But I, I think, you know, again, one picture is worth a thousand words, one video is worth, uh, I guess, a million words. And to me, it shows that that Secret Service agent, unlike all the rest of them, I believe they were complicit and let the assassination happen. I think those were. In a real investigation, the first people that should have been questioned would have been JFK's Secret Service detail, starting with Emory Roberts, who was in charge at the ground level, and who apparently stopped uh, Jack, Jack Reddy, another agent, from actually trying to jump off the, the uh, motorcade and do his job at the first sound of gunfires. They all should have done. But yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with it, and I think it's uh, very telling, and it indicates that 
that one agent who I believe was Ripka wasn't in on it and you know they couldn't trust him or whatever and he wasn't allowed to uh, to participate. Well, that's an awesome point on it. If you think about it logistically, like you can't get everyone in on the work, right? Like it would be almost statistically impossible to get everyone on the same ideological curve. Like it's it's hard enough to do that in the conspiracy community that we exist in, right? And we're, we're a small community compared to others. You know? So, you know, if you're trying to get everybody on the same page in the Secret Service to, to go in on JFK, um, I think that would be kind of tough to do. So you'd have to leave a few lonesome souls out of the loop uh chaco Chelli, would you concur with most of that uh, do you have anything to add well it's interesting i i um i do defer to uh you know to uh mr palmera on this uh because i i i agree that that it is uh very interesting and the security stripping is evident um there is more than just that piece of professional footage though because you got to remember that the uh the uh, attached uh, photographer to the White House also filmed that documentary the last two days, uh, which I've questioned several times as to why the sequence in Dealey Plaza is at, uh, at, you know, absent. Uh, but part of the motorcade is retained in historical footage on that documentary, which is also professionally shot. Now, that's the last commercially professionally shot piece uh, there at Love Field. But uh, but I've always wondered why it is that we have uh, various views in the plaza, but we don't have that sequence right there, except from the amateur photographers. Um, and again, you know, Palmera at first thought it was Ripka. Whether it's Ripka or Lawton, all the other stuff that Don brings up is highly relevant and more relevant to me than whether this guy was being called off at Love Field. Because you have all sorts of problems with this motorcade. You have the literal orders at the time of the shooting, literally, uh, that, you know, the, mo the most famous guy who's protecting Jackie, okay, we all know who that is, uh, you know, actually does not obey the order to return back to the running board and goes forward and jumps and, and you know, gets on to the limousine and all that. But everybody else was ordered back immediately. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And uh, the testimony of various Warren Commission, uh, you know, <laughs> Warren Commission testimonies on this and everything else, it, it is impossible to say that uh, the Secret Service was behaving normally that day. Uh, as for whether they were part of the conspiracy, uh, well, you know, look, I'll leave that to uh, I'll leave that to somebody else to figure out. Uh, but the ineptitude, the fact that they were they were hungover or still drunk. Uh, you know, a great deal of that team that was on the ground that day. We know that for a fact because they were at the underground until, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to, 4 or 7 a.m. Uh, you know, oh, I've lived they, those nights. We, oh, I've lived those nights. That's a bad night. <laughs> well, and, you know, how, how good is your reaction time? If you've been drinking <laughs> till 7 or, you know, and you, you're out there at noon in the in the sun after it's rained and everything else and you're, yeah, okay. Uh, there's a problem. Okay, there's a lot of problems there. And I, I, I see that we have a, a serious problem with security all over the place. Uh, now, it is different in Dallas than it is in other places because we have footage of various other motorcades where you can observe the way the Secret Service behaved. And there is no satisfactory explanation despite the extensive work of Vince Palmera on this. Um, but anyway, e either way, I, I find it an interesting piece of footage 
but I'm not sure if that's the key. I think there's a hundred things, though, that one could start picking apart to say, what the hell is going on with the Secret Service, Don? I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, and I th again, I think if there had been a real investigation, what did Senator Ralph Yarbrough say? He said, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but professional Secret Service agents uh, should react to the sound of gunfire. He said, you know, a man can run 50 yards in six seconds, and you had about six seconds to react from the first to the last shot, and uh, the only one who reacted at all was Clint Hill, belatedly. Uh, you know, it was too late, but that was it, and it's, it's just inexcusable. If you look at, uh, you know, how close the follow-up car was now it was there was many many irregularities that day as vince has pointed out mm. and i uh when i wrote hidden history i i emailed him and asked him i said you know you assured that this you studied all these other motorcades and pretty much you know routinely the press car was the professional press car was uh in front of J of the presidential limousine and took like a bird's eye view of him from the front and that day alone, amongst apparently amongst all his limos, his uh, motorcades, they were uh, I don't know seventh, eighth back, and it was significantly back in the motorcade, and they were on a bus, and a press car. Now that you know that needs to be explained, and considering how all the agents uh, reacted uh, that were on the follow-up car, which was a little farther away than it should have been as well. I mean, it should have been you know really right next to it, but still, it was close enough they could have easily jumped off and knocked JFK down after the first shot and easily saved his life. Uh, they didn't do that as much as Kellerman in the front. It was That was what he was supposed to do. I mean, Greer gets most of the criticism, and he should, because he obviously should have been trained to react to, to try to evade the situation and speed up and get out of there. Instead, he slowed down or stopped, according to a lot of people, and turned around and watched JFK's head get blown up. But Kellerman should have jumped over the, over, over the, uh, the middle seat and should have spread-eagled over... Uh, Kennedy, either him or one of the Secret Service agents behind, one of them could have easily gotten there and done that. They didn't do anything, and the fact that they really were not, other than Yarborough's criticism, uh, <clears throat> that's the closest as anyone came until the critics started writing their their books and started pointing out rightly that hey, you know, this is this is uh, you know inexcusable. And in a real investigation, they they would have been the first one questioned, not some you know CIA agent or whatever. The first one's question should have been those tasked with protecting his life. That clearly, I mean, that's the most visible signs of conspiracy that day is the, is the complete inaction of the Secret Service. I mean, that, that stands out like a sore thumb, mm -hmm. and it cannot be, you know, brushed away. Like they, also they also cover up the bullet hole in the windshield, too, the Secret Service at yes. the hospital. They have, and, well, and not, not only that, they, 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 the Secret Service at the hospital, I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, they uh, destroyed the crime scene. The crime scene was the limousine. Now we have, you know, again, we have footage, and you still have people, including so-called conspiracy people, will argue, no, no, the Secret Service didn't do that. We, we had the pictures of the bucket and the soap and it standing, you know, sitting next to the limousine. You have accounts, and I'll have that in Hidden History 3, accounts of people, newsmen, and, and people that witnessed the Secret Service agents scrubbing out the interior of the limousine. That was the crime scene. How did they so cover up the bullet hole in the windshield? Well, oh. they replaced the windshield. The windshield was oh, replaced wow. as soon as it was sent back to Washington. And you'll still get people like Josiah Thompson, who wrote Six Seconds in Dallas. These people I call neocons. I got in arguments with him on the forum uh, years ago when he was starting to, well, this has been you know settled now. There was no bullet hole in the windshield. Really? Then Richard Dudman, the you know, mainstream reporter, uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, 
describe sticking a pencil through the hole. And, uh, and Stavis Ellis, the uh, Dallas police officer, was very uh, had some very interesting uh, observations that I'll talk about in Hidden History Three. He also described uh, someone, uh, either him or someone else, putting a pencil. So apparently, two people stuck a pencil through the bullet hole. You had uh, one of the doctors there, one of the younger doctors that was on the men who killed Kennedy talking about it. Lots of witnesses saw a bullet hole. They knew the difference between a, a, a bullet hole and the nebula fracturing, whatever that uh, Thompson and all the others tried to claim. But Chris is right. They covered it. They covered up so many things. But that was uh, something really that should have, uh, again, this is a real investigation would have started with the Secret Service. What Shit. Six can six can actually show the bullet hole in the windshield photo right here if he opens up the link I just sent. When I Sorry. when I spoke to Ellis myself, did you speak to Ellis, uh, Don, or did you? Uh, no, no, no. I no, I didn't speak to him. No. Well, I spoke to Ellis, and uh, no, he he witnessed somebody stick something yeah. through the windshield. He said, "Yeah, uh, like and, a pencil, right? Pencil? Yeah, pencil. Yeah. Well, I, he wasn't sure what it was exactly can when he all, spoke to me. Can you all see that?" Or at least as but best I as you it. can. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it. Yep. Wow. That's amazing, yeah. Chris. Thank you. I'm going to bookmark this for this week's source list. I'll have the source list uploaded tonight to Substack, folks. Um, we got a hard cutoff coming up here um, because it is 1.29 in exactly one minute. According to this timeline, it says that 12.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, shots are fired as the motorcade passes the Texas school book depository so as mm -hmm. we're coming up here on the the final minute um before the the fatal shots were fired um i wanted to uh quickly just read off the rumble rant from our friend lisa that says uh you, you can only change things from the outside not the inside and shout out to awesome vince ignali mr local 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 but i'm gonna switch back to uh the panel for this moment um if you don't mind guys and just as we approach 1 30 here at eastern standard time there it is um right about now if we're if we're thinking of this uh timeline in real time that this this murder of jfk is going down right now um mm -hmm. final final thoughts on what happened here at this moment well, really, really quickly before we move forward, I want to ask Don a question, if you don't mind. Hell yeah. All right. So, Don, I wonder if you would agree with me about this. And you and I do see a few things differently in this case, despite, you know, having studied in different directions and maybe we've spoken to different people and all that. But one thing I'd love to dispel and get many people to dispel is this idiocy. Uh, regarding, well, you know, Kennedy got himself killed with the Secret Service, okay? It's back to the Secret Service thing. Yeah. Because he told them he didn't want them riding on the back, and he told them this and that. Yeah. Um, the reality of the Secret Service and the behavior of it, okay, is that the president does not dictate his protection, okay? And I wonder if you would uh, uh, just, you know, let, let's just talk about reality for a minute, not opinion, fact. That is not what happened here. Anybody who po posits that and starts off with that, I, I want to tell you, you, you need to stop listening right there. Because, yeah, I, yeah. yeah what do you think? Well, I, I absolutely agree with you. And that's, you know, some of Vince Pellerma's greatest work is that he talked to all these people, all these agents, and with, without exception. And that includes uh, Blaine and Clint Hill that later changed their story. 
But initially, they all said, no, he never interfered with us, if, even if he could have. You say he really couldn't have, but he never attempted to interfere with them. He let them do their job. He was, uh, you know, he was popular with most of them, except some of the right-wingers, you know, or, or, uh, you know, resented a lot of his policies. But, but uh, so this is, this is a myth, and you're right. I'm with you. Anybody that starts out with that that says Kennedy was, was right, but that's, that runs through the thread of the Kennedy thing. Uh, to JFK Jr. and whatever, even to RFK Jr.'s granddaughter, that uh, you know that kind of thing, where it, it, it or niece that run, runs through this thread that Kennedys are reckless. So anything that happens to them, it's because they're reckless. And it started with that saying that JFK was basically responsible for his own death because he just you know he didn't want the Secret Service agents to do their job, and that's absolutely BS. And uh, it's right. proven by all the interviews Vince did with the people that were in the Secret Service. Right, exactly. No, I just wanted to do that. But uh, back to the moment that that's that's an interesting point is that we've just passed that time. And, uh, you know, I, I was not yet alive. I think Don was, though. <laughs> I was seven. <laughs> so there you go. But uh, so what, what do you want to know about the, the thoughts of that moment? I mean, uh, the, the rest of the world would start to find out in the next few minutes. It's uh an interesting study in the way the media behaved for sure uh when it comes down to announcing it uh you know everybody's familiar with the cronkite uh thing and cbs uh, puts up a, a graphic basically and uh you know because they they had to warm up the camera and all that kind of stuff and and of course uh, you have the radios going off across the world today we, we can access a lot of mp3s of the real-time radio broadcasts that happened across the country and across the world indeed uh, before they took down my, my YouTube channel, I had stuff from the BBC, uh, and other, I want to hear the, I want to hear the air force one tapes that we still haven't yes. been privy to. Oh yeah. Which ones though? <laughs> because there are several copies and, uh, as, as yet, uh, Chris, I will tell you that I don't believe for a moment that we have the complete recording in anybody's hands yet. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know what Don thinks about the Air Force One stuff, but yeah. uh, of course the public wouldn't have been privy to that at the time anyway. But it's fascinating to me that yeah. uh, we have never actually heard the complete tape, Don. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and that's that's the case again. If, if if there's nothing to hide here, why are they hiding so much? And Bill Bill Kelly has uh, been trying for a long time. He's kind of the first person right. that comes to mind about that about the Air Force One tapes, but. Yeah. I mean, what, why, again, if there's, and this is, this stands for anything, any of these things that we investigate, why are, why are things, why should anything be classified still with the JFK assassination if it was this minimum wage loser Marxist that beat his wife and was a uh, ne'er-do-well and had no real significant connections? Why is anything- You're, you're talking about Thomas Arthur Valley, right? Out of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. By, by the way, one, shout, yeah. shout out to one of my people in Jersey, Bill Kelly. Uh, yeah, just yeah. saying. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, mean, I, love, he, I love Bill. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, I, I, uh, he doesn't, I, I'd like to interview him. I, I don't know what Bill Kelly thinks about me. I don't know. Who knows? He might, he might be one of the haters for all I know. I really don't know. But uh, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't care. I don't care what they think of me. I mean, I'll, I'll call him. He's done some good work on the, no, he's he's great and all, but but just be forewarned. I've been on the phone with him and and had to stop occasionally to go. Bill, you you know you're yelling at me, right? <laughs> yeah. So if that happens. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Don't be offended. I know the type. <laughs> but Bill is very passionate, very intense, uh, and, and I love the guy. 
and also responsible, by the way, for filling in some of the record, uh, Bill Kelly. Because, you know, uh, again, back to the Secret Service, I'm sorry, but, you know, those destroyed motorcade records, a lot of that stuff recovered because Bill Kelly did a deduction when they put out that Kennedy detail book. Wait a minute. You have all of your trip reports. That means that you have motorcade records, pal. Um, and yeah. <laughs> you know what? The author of that book brought them to the National Archives, and they have since been added to the records collection. So some of that recovered because Bill Kelly had the good sense. Out of all of us listening to that back, back then, by the way, mm-hmm. Bill Kelly had the good sense to go, wait a second. You have some of these records that have been destroyed. Uh, and uh, they, they were actually, you know, Again, that's a whole saga, and there's a lawsuit going on right now and everything else. So, anyway, sorry, Don. I, I, I just wanted to throw that in, and, and uh, since you brought up Bill. <laughs> well, no, what, do you no. guys, what do you guys think of the possible uh, Secret Service or policeman that uh, Walter Cronkite – it went out over the teletype order. Walter Cronkite announced that there was yet another victim in Dealey Plaza. I know that's been up for debate for a long time. Pools well, that, of blood and everything. Yeah, well, that, that that was again. These are these were early reports were replete with a Secret Service agent had been killed. In fact, when I talked to Henry Rupka's granddaughter, that's basically all she knew. She said that her family was apparently scared that he had been killed because they'd heard a Secret Service agent had been killed. So now, for whatever reason, do and say, well, that was wrong. But Chris mentions the pool of blood. And that's one of the things that has always intrigued me because you had a witness that, you know, believe it or not, God knows why anybody would do that, but it was a different time, claimed that he reached down and tasted it and it was blood. Now, why it wasn't Kool-Aid, it? folks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I guess you got, you got more balls than me to do that, but I mean, it was, it was 1963. And that's some Abdul the hardier, Butcher type hardier, shit. <laughs> you know, a hardier bunch then, you know. And, but, yeah. uh, but, you know, he, he described it in detail. And so, again, I don't know what that meant. But uh, there are, you know, there's so many things. And the Secret Service agent, and, and, uh, and I'll, I'll talk about that in Hidden History through. I'll go into more in Thomas Shipman, the, the, the guy that died very strangely at a young age before the assassination. And who might very well have been the driver that day. Uh, so there's, there's a lot. And not to mention the guy that uh, died that, younger. Jumped, there's another guy that jumped in front of the motorcade, apparently, like yeah. pretty early on. Yeah, you have the, and then you have the, Chris did a lot of research for the on that, the guy that was, I think, 28, 29 years old. That died of a heart attack. Who JFK? There was, uh, I think, the head of the honor guard, uh, and was very close to JFK. Very strange that his sister died. I mean, uh, all this will be in no, the history. Now, now, Chuck Don Six, what are your thoughts on? I've been curious. This I've been. Oliver Stone was able to put more, more of this in his latest uh, documentary or whatever. But what shows a case of conspiracy more than having almost the identical plot? Patsy set up whatever, almost a similar lo- like location when it comes to the Thomas Arthur Valley of it all, because that just shows to me personally that, I mean, how can you dispute that? I mean, I'm sure you can, but what are you guys thoughts on all that? Because for anyone that doesn't know, there were what, three other uh, plots against John F. Kennedy, one in Miami, Chicago, Los Angeles, Mm-hmm. And the one in Chicago, Thomas Arthur Valley, is, was almost like the right wing version of the the Oswald uh, story, if you will. And I found a detail where this Thomas Arthur Valley guy actually his car car may have been registered to a Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's three namer too, of course, three namer there, and uh, you know just like Oswald. And uh, you're right. I mean, it was supposed to happen at the. Uh, 
the Army-Navy game, I think in early November of 63. And uh, you're right there. And I have a lot of that thanks to Chris. Chris did so much research for me for Hit History 3. And uh, uh, that's thanks to him mainly. He, he got most of the stuff on the Chicago plot. But, yeah, you're right. There Clearly this was not any kind of random thing because there have been lone nuts running around all using all three names. Uh, apparently, you know, were they, were they simultaneously appearing in Miami and Chicago and then Dallas? Uh, it's, obviously, there's at this point, 59 years after the assassination, where anybody that entertains the notion for even a second that there was no conspiracy, I, I, I just, I, I can't have anything else to say to you because you're, you're, you can't have looked at any of the evidence, let alone the kind of deep diving we've done. But I've always been surprised that John Hinckley's middle name and Sirhan, Sirhan's middle name haven't been used more yeah. in articles. <laughs> yeah, they broke, they broke that. A few, yeah, they, a few times, uh, a few times they, uh, broke the mold, but, you know, going back to John Walks Booth, I mean, the three neighbors have been uh, very popular. Green Acres in a great episode once. It's like a psychological thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It is. Well, you have Bruno Richard Hauptman, Lindbergh, baby. He never used his first name, Bruno. But uh, there's, you know, there's, again, it's conditioning, but uh, I don't know. And I don't know what you guys talked about beforehand, and I don't know how much longer we have, but I probably... Can't stay on too much longer. But I, we I, had the L, with the LBJ uh, wink with the congressman on the plane with Jackie like crying next to him. We we showed that photo that six had never seen. Oh before. yeah, yeah, and and you know you it, what what we have you know it it used to be. Uh, and again, I don't know if Chris helped me with that or not, or my uh, or Bob Wilson maybe, but it was it was. Uh, but I got some uh, more research to to validate what was happening on that Air Force One trip back. And, you know, that was, that was LBJ's behavior after the assassination, what really started fueling conspiracy uh, notions, even more than the Secret Service not doing their job, because LBJ was just, he just looked like the, the cat that ate the canary. He couldn't stop his half grin. Lady Bird was even more ridiculous. She was walking around grinning, you know, you know. We showed the we showed the photo. She has a shit-eating grin. Yeah, She's yeah, all like, hey! Yeah, she can help. And then, of course, she had the wink from Albert Thomas. Congressman Albert Thomas, but uh, you know that that and that's really where the feud between LBJ and RFK was escalated to a point where of no return, because he you know LBJ went around telling everybody that Bobby made him take made him wait and and uh, summon Judge Sarah Hughes to take the oath of office on board Air Force One and make, and make Jackie stand there and Bobby was incensed because he he told him no such thing, the the law made him. The Constitution made him become president automatically once JFK was dead, so that was just a formality. But LBJ used it, and then the behavior on the plane, before it was uh, Penn Jones Jr. that was talking about uh, uh, Liz Carpenter. I think I think uh, Evelyn Lincoln told Liz Carpenter, told Penn Jones that Liz Carpenter and the rest of LBJ's crowd were really whooping it up on Air Force One. Well, now we know the guy that was a purser on Air Force One, I think he was a purser on Air Force One, that I, th I think this was through actually William Law that got this for me, but uh, that said the same thing. That you know, this is exactly what happened. And then um, also through uh, Bob Wilson, who talked to um, I think it was Jim Jenkins. Well, it'll be in Hidden History Three, but it was the same kind of behavior where LBJ's entourage apparently they thought they were the Who or some kind of rock stars because they uh, had a, a, a habit of doing this, where they apparently trashed. Uh, the place when OBJ was in for gallbladder surgery or something. Same kind of thing. Broke a lot of things, punched holes in walls. Same kind of rowdy behavior that you saw on the way back from Air Force One. But 
that takes, you know, really some kind of special level of, uh, you know, lack of humanity to, especially in 1963. Maybe now, you know, people are so crazy, who knows, but back then, there was a little sense of decorum, and for the Liz Carpenter and all these people to be visibly celebrating, and you have two different witnesses, Evelyn Lickin and the purser on Air Force One, who describes seeing this. To me, this is, I, I don't know if it just, you know, is an indication of guilt, but it really tells you something about the people. It's not really evidence in a court of law, but it just shows you the state of mind that some of these psychopaths had. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it gives yeah. you a different perception. It gives you a different angle on them. You know, some and and it's hard with stills. Sometimes it's better with video, at least for the most part. But Don, I really appreciate your presence here for this. Um, uh, unfortunately, just as it as it was with your spaces, Don. As soon as we get more people on watching, is when I have to wrap. So, and I I cannot let your meal go cold, sir. And uh, definitely uh, th much, much love for being a part of this. And then send some love back to our friend Vince Ignali, too. Uh, we definitely look to have uh, both of you guys on uh, the stream sometime soon. And we might be doing this thing earlier from now on, which would probably be a good thing for all of us now that cool. John Henry is on East Coast time and not Hawaii Yeah, well, time. that's great. Yeah. I appreciate you, I appreciate you uh, including me. And uh, good to talk to Chuck and obviously Chris Graves and uh, – you so um, you know everybody remember the day and you know never forget as they say because uh, this is uh, where a lot of this stuff started so thank thanks for including me I'm going back to my table now no problem brother talk okay. to you later man okay bye so I'm not out to dinner but uh, I'm probably going to bow out soon too I I want to throw something in uh, about proof of conspiracy and uh, something that has been done which is uh, highly ignored by most people and. Look, we could get into the Lyndon Johnson stuff if you really want to, but there's. <laughs> I knew you were going there, and I was like, I can't wait to hear what Chuck's going to say. Well, a whole lot of people better at it than me to get into it. Of course, I'm aware of all the stuff that Don was talking about, and Lyndon Johnson was a, a special kind of sociopath from a family of sociopaths, uh, and and from from a wild bunch. I mean, he uh, definitely despised the uh, wildness of his sister Josepha. Uh, and, you know, there's even a claim that he possibly had her murdered. Uh, he has his he, own hitman, right? His own hitman, basically. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't agree that Mac Wallace was his hitman, but he had a lot of hitmen. Okay. Because, uh, you know, there, there, there's a lot of stuff going on here. He had his own brother, you know, thrown into an institution who was also a raging alcoholic and kind of an unstable guy, but had enough sense to know that his brother Lyndon was a bastard. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just very simple stuff. Um, but I want to bring up something else that, again, is often ignored. Uh, the, the late researcher Sherry Feaster, who was a, a crime scene investigator and blood spatter expert, uh, in her examination in a book called The Enemy of the Truth, uh, and really it's so sad to me that, uh, that she got sick and died. No professional crime scene investigator has ever challenged her work on this okay and i want you to understand that she used the available evidence to come up with a thesis that gives us a fair location for a shooter where in the front yeah okay so we uh we assume we have a shooter from the rear maybe not in the book depository building maybe in the book depository building i don't care what you think if we can uh, state that there is a shooter from the front and a shooter from the rear, 
we have a conspiracy regardless of whoever was at the head of it and the idiocy that was uh, at one point at the end of the house select committee put out newspapers well i guess it's possible that there could have been because they were positing uh issues about the shooter from the grassy knoll which by the way uh, in my opinion missed but yeah. anyway <laughs> they were trying to where they were trying to put out the uh ridiculous theory that maybe two rank Two random lone nuts just happened to be in the same area, right? Is yeah, two people, two people converged in Dealey Plaza at the same time independently. Uh, yeah, no. Look, if you have two shooters, okay, you have a conspiracy. That's it. Uh, not a lone nut. Whether Oswald's involved or not, fine. We can argue it, but I, I don't even think people fully understand the character of the individual that was the historical Lee Harvey Oswald. And uh, there was a great deal of mythology built around that. There are some people that claim to have known him that uh, are out there propagating a great deal of myths. I'm not going to mention names, <coughs> Judy. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I, I, I urge people to look at Sherry Feaster's work and her presentations on this, which, again, a, a, no one in her field has taken apart her conclusion. Okay. Uh, which gives you a shooter from the front. And I don't mean the knoll. I mean the front. And they can find lots okay. of mentions of that work on your website, correct? Ocelli.com? You know what? Not so many anymore. Okay. But uh, but there will be some uh, some recaps of that stuff coming up. And it, and it has been out there in my archives now. Awesome. I interviewed Sherry. I did extensive uh, discussions on this, broke it down. and uh, but uh, But I would say look at her work on it. Uh, she did work on a great deal of the mythology surrounding the case as well, which is important, that's for sure. But again, somebody who uh, put her reputation on the line, who professionally, uh, you know, would go to courts and give testimony about this type of evidence, okay, was sitting there using modern forensic techniques. And at one point, even on my show, just to give you a hint, I said to her, you know, I remember and I read some of the forensic textbooks and all that and uh, have done my own independent studies. I am not a professional of any kind in that field. But I said to Sherry, you know, uh, there's certain things here. And she corrected me and told me that I needed newer textbooks uh, because there were more modern techniques, even after the 40th anniversary, that could not have even been used at the time of the Kennedy assassination to uh to prove out that indeed there was a shooter from the front and you know what <laughs> that gives us a whole other area of inquiry that most people don't want to touch they get stuck in dealey plaza but they don't go the 360 degree look around they don't want to examine the bullets that landed other places that were accounted for by many many witnesses including stavis ellis who uh is that the FBI gentleman in the grass? He picks it up and puts it in his pocket, and there's like photographs that Penn Jones like published here. No, that's um, Mark Oakes did work on that. Uh, he called him the mystery FBI man. No, no, no. Stavis Ellis was a Dallas police officer. Okay. Which which was too funny because for years I had him uh, mislabeled in my old filing system as Stephen Ellis, but Stavis Ellis is his name. And uh, he uh, he stated all kinds of interesting things that contradict the official story, which, by the way, there are plenty of people who have contradicted the official story uh, for many, many years. And you know what? There's still a lot of work to be done uh, and there's still a lot of documents to be released. I, I don't expect anybody to be holding their breath if they've got a lick of sense, though, 
that some smoking gun is going to come out from the U.S. government. But the fact that they're still actively hiding things, the fact that uh, people have now sued the Biden administration because uh, the Trump administration and the Biden administration have both cooperated rather nicely in suppressing files that were 25 years earlier supposed to be released to the public under the Assassination Records Review Board. Uh, all of that stuff that should have been released in 2017, uh, a lot of it still being withheld, despite what you've been told. Uh, a lot of things have been all, all under the guise of COVID, right? <laughs> uh, Biden's excuse, partially, is COVID. But, but it's all um, the same crime family is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I appreciate what you're thing. saying there. Yeah, uh, Chuck. Yeah. I, we are coming up on a hard break. I have got to run. But um, any final words that you just want to put out to the audience about pursuing this this topic? Yes, it's relevant for a lot of reasons. Some people would say, look, man, it's almost 60 years. And next year it will be 60 years. Uh, and uh, I, I am planning on going to Dallas with some friends and we're all going to get together and uh, see what it is we can accomplish together. There is a lot of work still being done. There is progress. There is the possibility. And I'm not saying somebody's going to solve the case tomorrow, but it's important because it had a resonant effect uh, on our society. And it is not just about, I'm not like a huge fan of like, oh my God, you know, John F. Kennedy was the great savior. I'm not one of these people, okay? But I am telling you that the trajectory of the country, the fact that we engaged in the conflict known as the Vietnam War, which did uh, in inexplicably alter and mutilate our culture, our country, and an entire generation. Uh, you know what? Somebody needs to be held accountable. And I don't for a second believe that Lee Harvey Oswald, or at least in, in the most extreme circumstance, Lee Harvey Oswald alone is in any way responsible for this. And I believe that uh, it, it is, it, it may be too late for justice. It may be impossible to hold somebody directly, you know, to prosecute somebody because they might be dead and everything else. But uh, as, as a friend of mine is uh, often given to say, it is never too late for the truth. Beautiful. And um, I, I know that if, if the case was cracked tomorrow, that uh, you'd be the first one to have somebody on your show, Chuck, and you and Donald Jeffries, both. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, anyway, Chris, Chris, thank you. Uh, thank, thank you for being here, man. Um, Chris Graves, any final thoughts uh, before we go? Just a, just a minute or so? Uh, yeah, just uh, keep researching, people. Uh, this is still relevant very much all the way up until today. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. We all must keep pushing forward on these topics. Um, we never know where it may lead us and, and whose life it may change. Um, so thank you all for being here. Thank you all for viewing live. Um, thank you, Lisa, for being part of the chat. Um, thank you, Vince Agnelli, for waiting for Donald Jeffries for forever to come back to have a meal. Um, <laughs> Steve Cameron Steve, yeah, Steve Cameron has something really big in the pipeline coming Huge. up huge in the pipeline folks so um and i cannot wait to have him on the show and uh do look out for some more early live streams like this uh coming up here in the future we are changing time zones altogether here at the new prisoners so uh but until we meet again and until we are free we are the new prisoners thank you for listening to the new prisoners let us know what you think about this week's topics on our minds page and Substack or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon.
You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us, or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us, and remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to the new prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support. There you can make a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. We also have a subscribe star where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. Or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners.